a heavenly Father. What a good, good God you are. You're never going to let us down. Lord, what would it feel like to have your fire in my veins? And Lord, as we come to hear and proclaim your word, hear the promises that are coming, that you are coming back. You have not left us orphaned. You will be back, and you will be back to take your children home. And for that, Lord, we are truly thankful. Amen. comes out of 35. This goes with the, the story last week about the, the, the fool, the rich fool that just uh, built barns and lived for himself. So verse 32, do not fear, little flock, for if your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, sell what you have, give alms, provide yourself money bags which do not grow old, treasures in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches, nor moth destroys. For where the treasure is, there your heart will be also. Question is, point one, question is, where's your heart? Are you wrapped up in worldly things or are you not? Paul says, run the race in such a way, run the witness that you'll get the crown of life. And we'll cover that later on. Uh, but so what hinders you what hinders you from actually having this full relationship with Jesus? What hinders you? Is it time? Is it money? Is it work? Is it 
something else. And I, and I talk to so many people, preacher, I'd love to get up every morning and read my Bible in prayer time. But man, I, you know, I got this to do, I got that, I got so much busyness to do, I don't have time to do it. Busyness, busy, the academic of busy is busy under Satan's yoke. If you don't have time to be in the presence of God, Satan has a full grip on you. You just need to know that. If you don't have time to be with the Creator, the Savior, and remember your job, or whatever it is you do in life, is only for so many years. 20, 30, 40 years. Eternity is forever. And so where do you want to spend eternity at? So if, you're, if your job is so busy, or your life is so busy, Look and see where Satan is at in your life. Because Satan has control of you. We just go along there. Uh, and, and so the next verse is coming down 35 through 40. Let me uh, kind of bring that up. And this is going to be important. Uh, I was just sharing with Hester that my daughter and I took a motorcycle safety class together a couple years ago. And so in that class, we go to MSF, a Motorcycle Safety Foundation class. In that class, for motorcyclists, you'll understand this. When you're in a corner... When you especially you go up and you're up to drag it or someplace, you're in a corner, you're in a, you're in a big sharp corner, we love them, we call them twisties, we love them. You get that, you get that rush and that feeling. Uh, where's your eye supposed to be? What? My motorcycle people, are you? Uh, you always look up. Whenever fixate on your gauge, you always look up and you always look to where you want to go. You look up, you want to go in that corner, you look the farthest distance you can in that corner before, and as, as you go in that corner, you always look at that farthest distance over there. Two, you're leaning your body into that corner. You're leaning your body. It helps you turn. It helps you lean better. It helps go along. And I look at Christ the same way. I need to be looking to where I want to go. Where do I want to go? Where do, I, do, do I really want to spend my rest of my life here on this earth? Or do I look forward to eternity? We learn the Bible that Jesus says, Love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and body. When you ride a motorcycle, it is all of you controlling that motorcycle. Your body, your mind, your eyes, all of it, you're controlling that motorcycle. And so I look at that way as scriptural is when I'm on that motorcycle, it's just a little different than reading with Christ. It takes all of me to control it. And so let's get into our, our, our scripture there real quick. Starting at verse 35. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master. When will he return from the wedding? And when, and when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom... Uh, whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have, and have them sit down and eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them, so blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed the house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. This is the word of God for the people of God. He's talking here. We all need to get working on that there. Uh, we may have to have Saturday training class on that. You know, come in Saturday, we'll just read scripture, and you say, praise to God with that. All right. Uh, until then, uh, moving on. Uh, 
This is temple worship right here. He, Jesus is referring to the temple when, he, when he's doing this. Uh, the temple was a 24-7 operation. During the day, from sunup to sundown, it was a busy place. People were coming in. People were doing things. Uh, there was candles. There were candles with bowls. I'll cover that in a minute. And in the evening, after sundown, they'd shut the doors to the temple. And there was young priests, new priests, that would be in training. And they would be getting the temple ready for the next day. There was bowls. Uh, they're, they're probably made out of gold, bronze, or silver. If you read Exodus, you'll find out the different bowls are in the church or in the temple. Uh, they're, they're bowls. They had oil poured in them, probably olive oil, uh, oil poured in them, and they had a wick, which is called a swaddling uh, thing, a swaddling wick. That's a whole story by itself. Just kind of keep that term and put it in your head for another sermon. Uh, and they would burn them. The lamps could never go out. The lamps represent candles in the back. The lamps represent the presence of God. So these lamps could never go out. But the wicks, there's long pieces of wool cloth, and they went, they'll burn, but not all the way. They have to keep trimming them, or otherwise it gets kind of, the fire gets kind of crazy. The lamps got to be constantly kept full. So there's priests in charge, young priests normally in charge. The priest over the whole operation for that day is called the master priest. He's the one that walks around and makes sure the other young guys are doing the job. This is a military operation. Make sure the young guys are doing their job. The head priest is called the thief. For the sole reason is that the head priest can come and go at any time he wants. And he would sneak in in the middle of the night to make sure People were doing what they were supposed to be doing. The money bags up their front, they would, uh, priests would kind of like a monk, they would, have, they would sell most of their stuff, they lived off the, the, the church or the temple and, and the offerings, <clears throat> and they would carry a money bag in, in case they needed to go out and buy something for the temple, mainly during the day, not at night, but they'd, but they'd carry these money bags. If they were caught sleeping, the thief, the head priest, would try to cut the money bag off, and it was his. You're out of money, buddy. Uh, or, they, or they could do all kinds. It's a, kind of an interesting study. They would do all kinds of neat things to these young priests. Uh, but the, the whole moral of this story is, oh, the ropes. They wore these long, the priests wore these long robes. Where do we get our ropes today from? And how you women ever wear long dresses, I don't know. But occasionally when I wear my robe, I don't have to break my neck on these stairs or something. And, and so they go along, they have like thin long johns underneath. And so what they would do is uh, they would gird them up. They, they would pull them up. They had a belt on, and they would stick that underneath the belt. So it was easy to walk around the temple. It was easy to sweep the floor. It was easy to do the work. When people showed up, you know, the guests or visitors or something, not other priests, they would drop the robes down, and they would be presentable again. And so, uh, so this is a, a temple operation is what he's talking about. These temple operations going along there, uh, he's going along, and the moral of this story is simple. It's right there. Is they needed to be ready when the, when the head priest, either the master or the head priest, come in. They had to be ready. In the military, in the military, I always tell the young people when they're out doing a working job, be where you're supposed to be, be doing what you're supposed to be doing. 
Because you don't know when the commander's driving by, the first sergeant driving by, the general's driving by. You don't know that day. The other day, uh, somebody from Macon came to visit me. Did he? I had just left, and Jessica was here, and he asked Jessica, well, where's the preacher at? And he said, she says, he just left to go visit him. And he calls me. He says, well, how far down the road are you? Can you come back? I want to talk to you. I was where I was supposed to be doing what I was supposed to be doing when the guy from Macon, the bishop's right-hand man, showed up. Praise the Lord. I was in the right spot at the right time because visiting the bishop said, if you don't know what else to go do, if you don't have nothing else to do that day, go see somebody. And that's always the right answer, go visit him. So there I was, and this guy Jay come by, and so I was just right down the road, and so I turned around and come back and was able to talk with him. That's the bottom line. You can look at this story so many different ways. Do what you're supposed to do. You know the job. Do what you're supposed to do. But regardless of what God has called you in life to do, be doing it when you're supposed to be doing it. Don't be sloughing off. Don't be going along. Don't be going up. These guys had other jobs and other things to do during the day. And so they're the young guys. And so, you know what? If you ever work with a bunch of young people in the military, especially when it's dark and cold, like in Alaska, they get a warm place. You can't find them for hours. What are they doing? They're sleeping. And we would do all kinds of things to them when we caught them sleeping. We would draw, we'd put sharpies all over their face. If we were in dark duty or something, they had a gun, we'd take the gun. I mean, we would do all kinds of things, especially. Not all that we can talk about in church, but that's okay. Uh, be doing what we're supposed to be doing when Christ returns. So here's the whole message for us here today. What is the church to be doing when Christ returns? Here it goes along. When I first got into full-time ministry, I had a year of this part-time ministry. It was a weekend thing up in summer charge. I was still in the Air Force. I got into full-time ministry. When I got into full-time ministry, Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life was the hottest thing on the shelf. Everybody remember this? And so the pastor before me had little home Bible studies set up, four or five people. And so she would go to two or three homes a week. And not all of them are our church members. And so I just kind of picked up where she was at and, and started doing these home Bible studies. I never, I've heard Rick Warren, Purpose Driven. But that's a good book. I'm not saying anything about Rick Warren. I'm not saying anything about the Purpose Driven life. And then the Methodist Church at that same time, Remember, we went through all these, if you went through them, the studies and seminars of what's our purpose and a mission statement and all these things. Remember, if you all been long, around long enough to remember all this? And then there's Rick Warren comes out with another book, which is actually a pretty good book, by the way, Purpose Driven Church. And, and I've read all those books. I've read all the program books on how to grow the church. And they all miss most of them miss the number one thing the church is supposed to be doing. I don't care for Methodist. I don't care for the Baptist. I don't care for the Church of Christ. I don't care for non-denominational. The church has one function and one function only. Save souls. That's it. But then the second function goes with the first function is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 28 is our mission statement. Go out and make disciples of Jesus Christ, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have no other function to do but to save souls. Who has been given the keys to heaven? 
This is an important question. Who has the keys to heaven and who has the keys to hell? There those keys have been given to people and we got to know who they are because we have a function with those keys. Anybody know who's been given the keys to heaven? Besides Tim. Tim knows all these answers. Who else? Yeah, we have. Peter. Peter was given the keys. Peter is the beginning of the church. And, and I had a professor that could write from Peter to where we're at today. He could stick every church you wanted to stick in there somewhere. We have been given the keys to heaven. And we, our job as a church is to introduce people to Jesus Christ. Everyone we meet. Who has been given keys to hell? Just real quick. Anybody? No, we haven't. This is important. Only Jesus. It sat there and says in Revelation that Jesus has been given the keys to hell. Only Jesus. Well, you're not the judge. I'm not the judge. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. Uh, we're talking about the, like Elijah's power. You know, Elijah could just you know, send down you know, fire. How nice would that be on the highway? <laughs> Motorcycle riders really understand this, do we not? Man, there's a crazy driver out there. Lord, see that white Toyota? Yeah, the Florida license plate on it? They get out, well, shaboom! It'd be gone, smite it, just be gone. And uh, boy, they would solve a lot of problems with driving. But, but, but we haven't been given the keys to hell. We only have one job. And that is to introduce people to Jesus Christ. The day of the, the, the wiping away of tears and all that stuff is at the end of Revelation. But we won't get into that uh, right now. But we, we've been given these keys. We've been given a mission. Our whole mission in life. Everything we do. Taking children to Epworth, building disciples for Jesus Christ. Bible school, building disciples for Jesus Christ. Everything we do needs to be around this focus. In the book of discipline, Jeff learned this the other day. In the book of discipline, uh, when we have a business meeting, the first thing that's supposed to be discussed is missions and outreach. Who have you outreached to? Who have you brought into the fold of Jesus Christ? That is the first thing we're actually supposed to discuss in any business meeting. Because that is our job. That is our job is to be outward Focus. The problem with the church today, and I'm not saying us, I'm saying the Western church, we have made, because of our laws and everything else, we have tried to make Christianity a private thing. Well, I confess Christ is my Lord and Savior, I'm saved, and, and, and you know, I'm not supposed to discuss it, I'm not supposed to do this, and so just don't worry about it. Well, if I, you know, that, that guy I go fishing with, or I ride motorcycles with, or I I drag the race cars with, or I, I work on projects with. Yeah, he doesn't go to church. He's not saved. But it, it, that's, his, that's his thing. That's not my thing. No, Christianity is to be lived. There is no separation of church and state. What that really means is we don't want the church to control the government. Do we really want the Baptist in charge of being the president? Or the Methodist, or the Church of Christ, or somebody else. We really just don't really want that anymore, because that's the way it was in the old day. But to, for us, as individuals, do people recognize that you're a Christian? Do they know that you're believed? Do they know that 
you go to church. They, they know that you have a, a faith in Jesus Christ that gives you the hope in all that you do. Do they see something different in you, in your job? Revelation chapter 20, about halfway through Revelation chapter 20, is a scary verse. Because the dead is raised, uh, the Christians are raised at a different time than the dead. Uh, the, dead, the dead without Christ. And so, in the back, there's the throne. It's in heaven. There's the throne. Here comes all the Christians, all the saints. All the saints are wearing a white robe. We're behind them. In front is all the people who are raised. And God's going to tell them real quick uh, why they didn't make it to heaven. They get to see heaven. Everybody goes to heaven. Everybody gets a resurrected body. Everybody goes to heaven. Not everybody's saved. They get to be in the threshold of heaven. Imagine being there. Two things I want you to imagine real quick. Imagine being the threshold. You can see glory and miss it. What a bad day. You want to talk about gnashing teeth, crying? Oh, man. Uh, because that body you got that's resurrected is going to hell. Uh, but so, okay, here's the other uh, thing is you're in heaven. You're at the back of the throne. On the other side is your best friend that you've known for 20, 30 years. That it wasn't church wasn't his thing or her thing. And you know in your mind now that that person will spend eternity in hell because you did not share. What if you were taken at the gas station and the guy you were talking to on the other side of the pump, does anybody else talk to the other people at the gas station? I mean, when I'm not with Tammy, it takes me about a half hour, 45 minutes to get gas. Because if you're on the other side of the pump for me, you're getting a conversation. Because you're not just that kind of guy. I like to talk to people. And you're going to hear somewhere about Jesus Christ. Tammy's like, shut up, hurry up, get in the car. You know them? No. Get in the car. Because uh, <laughs> this whole Walmart line. Tammy's just like, you can go sit in the car. But because, you know, I, I like to meet and like to talk to people and everything else. And uh, I, I was at the gas station. I got time for this one little story. I told Tammy about it yesterday. I had to go fill a car up with gas. And this little girl, she's on her way to college up in Macon. A little girl, a young girl, I call her a little girl, probably in her early 20s. Car packed for college, her car won't start. She insulted me. I'm there working on her car, and I had a Harley Davidson shirt on. And her battery terminals were weak. I'm working on her car. And you know why she asked me to help work on her car? I drive the old blue truck. You know why she asked me to help with her car? You look like my granddad. <laughs> I about took the battery and threw it out of the car. Your, your older brother, maybe? <laughs> your granddad? But, uh, it was funny. Uh, he had funny. And in fact, that her granddad happened to be a preacher. I got to pray with the young lady. I mean, just because I was there and I was available, it, just because I looked like a nice guy, you know, I looked like somebody she knew, so she had me come and, and work on her car real quick so I could help her get it started. That is God working. You can tell she had been sitting there crying on this. And all of a sudden, God, I didn't want to go up there. I'm not frustrated with the person I had to go fill the car up for. Can't you just go do something on your own? And, but yet, there I go. And yet, as soon as I get there, this young lady comes. Is that not a God thing? In the presence, you're being a willingness to do stuff, but put yourself out there. And so, the whole thing is, how do we do this? How do you know today that doesn't go to church and it does not have a relationship with Jesus? If you say, well, I mean, shut-ins are one thing. I don't really know anybody like that. 
I'm going to tell you up front, your sphere of influence is not big enough. Your sphere of influence is not big enough. Uh, our, our job is to do this. Our job is to get involved with people's lives. People's lives are messy people. That's why we don't like to get involved. People's lives are messy. But what we've got to do as a church, we've got to do as a church, this is our prayer for this week. Remember we're praying, search me, O Lord. We're still praying Psalms 139, 22 and 23, I think it is. Uh, we're still praying that. Lord, give me the outward focus. Let me see beyond myself, beyond my family, beyond my church. Let me see people that need to know me. Let me see lost people the way you see lost people. Let me see it. Luke chapter 6. I kind of, I want to close with something else. For the music people, I'm about to close. Luke chapter 6, verse 42. Uh, did I get that right? Chapter, verse 46. Never mind. Uh, Luke chapter 9. But why, Luke chapter 6, verse 46, for those who are taking notes, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? We have no business calling ourselves a Christian church. We have no business calling ourselves Christians if we don't have a heart for the lost. That's just the way it is. That is it in a nutshell. That is the way it is in a nutshell. Moving on to verse 42 out of this, uh, it says, Who then that is faithful and wise steward, whom is the master, will make ruler over his household to give him their portion of food in due season? Blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing and he, when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that is his. But, don't you hate it when the butts get involved? But, if the servant says to his, says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and the female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of the servants will come in a day he is not looking for him and an hour when he is not aware and he will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. He goes to hell. There is work to be done in the church. Our sole purpose of a, being a Christian church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them the ways of God. If we are not doing that, we cannot call ourselves Christians, we cannot call ourselves a Christian church. So my prayer this week for us, let's start developing outward focus and seeing who is lost around us and inviting them not only to a relationship with Jesus, but inviting them into the presence of God through Sunday worship. Let us, let us pray. Hey, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we just ask you to be with us. Help us focus on those around us. Amen. Please stand and join us in our closing song.
questions for you real quick as we get ready to depart. Are you in the tomb? Are you still in the darkness? You're here. You say you love Jesus, but is there still, are you still fighting the chains? Today is the day to let go. Two, you will meet somebody this week that is in the tomb, that is in the darkness, that is hurting, that is going to die and go to hell. If you do not share the gospel of Jesus Christ, let us pray. Dear Lord, I have to Father. Lord, as we come, we come here, Lord. We come with the seriousness of the mission to be your servants, to be your vessels, to bring salvation to this world. And Lord, we ask you that we bring people to our lives that need to know about you, Lord. That we can invite them into a relationship with you. We can invite them into a relationship with the church, Lord. And Lord, that we can come together. And one day, we will all be heard this faithful word, well done, my faithful servant. We ask you all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the whole church said, with great excitement, Amen. You all, that other church has a crazy worship now.
Violent culture. Why, why are you stealing the money? Did you bring me? All kind of audio stuff.
Guys, just somebody's. That's fine. <laughs> it's recording. <laughs> yeah, you. They're going to be hearing you at the end. I feel about that. <laughs> 